Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. I, I can't come to the first Sunday of March that I don't pause and I remember. I, I understand that, that this coming week that you have planned a celebration. I have been told to not ask questions. I have been told to keep my mouth shut. I have been told, and, and I have been, they've, they've even used Greek words on me like shut up. And I understand in the, this coming next few days there is a lot planned that, that you have done, but today is the actual day that I stood in a pulpit as a pastor in Conroe for the first time 25 years ago. I can never... Thank you. I can never pass the first Sunday of March that I don't, um, that I don't pause. And I, I remember and I, I have to think and without, without remembering and without pausing uh, every year at this time, I, I probably would lose, lose a few things from yesterday. But I'm learning this as well. The older I get, the easier it is to pause and remember. And I just pray that I don't become one of those who lives 25 years ago and 40 years ago. And, and I continue to... Uh, I, I'm kind of like this morning. I feel like Caleb when... They looked across the border into the promised land, and he just looked around and said, Just give me this mountain. I'll just, I'll just take this thing on right here. So I feel like that today, and, and I, don't, I don't want to live in the past, but I do have to pause and, and reflect and, and remember. For to, me, for to me, this is an incredible season of life. Twenty-five years is a long time. And I just, I just pause and I reflect and, and 25 in, at a single place. It, to me, it poses a, a bit of stability and a bit of, of longevity and, and a bit of uh, even a word that was very hard for me to embrace for a long time like maturity and, and those type things. And as I, as I do every first Sunday of March, I, I can help but remember the very first message that I, I shared with that, well, you wouldn't even call it a church, with that, with that. and with what we, what we had at that point. And the message that Sunday morning, and I don't know that there's been a March, the first Sunday of March passed by that I, I don't remind myself and this body of that title and simply it was a mathematical it was a mathematical application simply it was algebraic and that is that x was not equal to x and i had the people there that day the very very few of us that were there to look around and say what you see here today doesn't equal what we are and what we are going to be x is not equal to x and the message in my spirit has not changed. And the message in my heart has not changed. And dreams have not faded. And 
Hope has not gone awry. And I just, uh, I stand here again on a first Sunday in March to remind you to not be bothered by what you see or what you do not see. Don't be bothered by whom that you see or whom that you do not see on this particular Sunday because uh, God has been good to us and God has blessed us and we have come a long way but we're still going somewhere and we're we're not we're not entering into a place of of semi retirement but rather we're we're going to continue to strive for the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus and when i when i think of of things and blessings that come in life i i can't help but look at i can't help but look and reflect with biblical characters who who lived in incredible moments of time and living in some of those incredible, incredible moments, observing what we see of them and the pictures that are given to us with words in the scripture. We, we can realize that, that the events and the circumstances that, uh, that people lived in sometimes uh, were, were just incredible, but yet many times they did not understand the moment by which or which they lived in. Uh, for instance, you, you can consider Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman. Theirs was a day of perfection. Theirs, theirs was a day when they lived in a, a perfect place, when they had a perfect environment. Theirs, theirs was it a place when there was, there was a perfect time. Uh, they, 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 they lived debt free. They didn't have uh, issues that they faced were not the same as what you and I faced for living in a utopian environment with a perfect timing and that, that absolutely euphoric euphoric environment they they had the perfect job if, if there could ever be a perfect job they they had it for for them there wasn't a job that they punched the clock or they they measured time and and their salary was was absolutely incredible because uh, theirs was not a time when they needed 20 or 40 or 60 or 100 or or so thousand dollars per year to survive there because of the perfect environment that they lived in. They didn't have to worry about food because food grew and it was there. They didn't have to worry about housing. They didn't, they didn't have to worry about clothing for they, they didn't wear clothing. They, they, they were innocent and they were pure. They, they had no house payments, no rent payments, no utility payments, no insurance premiums. Uh, their clothes, uh, they didn't have to worry about them, but, but had they worn clothes at that point, they would have never even gotten old or, or out of style for there was no one who had preceded them who would have set up this thing called fashion or, or style or it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't matter by a point of humor when Eve turned around and, and asked uh, Adam one day, maybe she turned around one day and says, uh, Adam, does this dress make me look, you know, big? Uh, 
he, he couldn't say it was the dress that was doing it. Uh, he, he couldn't, he couldn't blame the dress on anything. And, and, and it was, there was no, no such thing as, as clothing. And, and at this point, not even children were, were involved. Uh, not even children involved to, to, to bring in the confusion and, and the hectic moments of, uh, we stopped by Trent and Kayla's place last night and there was kids bouncing everywhere and I'm just wondering is there ever a quiet moment can we give everybody some medicine right now because uh, Adam and Eve didn't know this moment they, they didn't know what it was like to deal with those routines of of kids and as a matter of fact the scripture clearly tells us that they had dominion over everything as a matter of fact that when you you look at that word dominion you look and you realize when they were given dominion over over the animals and over the garden and over the land and all that was there you realize they were handed a a sovereign or supreme or absolute authority they were in charge they they had the power of decision and the power of governing and the power of controlling and as a matter of fact one of their most important responsibilities we find was you name the animals and so it was adam who came up with words like you know elephant and he came up with other words where he where he named these animals he they 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 had within their grasp the power of direct control they were in charge that they they could use things or dispose of things that need theirs was the right of possession and theirs was the right of possession and they could use these things without even having to be accountable to anyone imagine imagine not having to be accountable imagine being in charge it was in this perfect environment where they didn't have to worry about laundry or clothing or food or responsibilities they didn't have to worry about anything at all there wasn't anyone to tell them what to do they 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 had they were given dominion and authority and it was in it was into this into this motif of dominion that, uh, that, that, uh, one day there was an animal in that, in, in that picture that began to, to speak. At this point, uh, we find that the serpent, no doubt, didn't, didn't crawl on his, on his belly as you and I see snakes today, but apparently there was some way within the, the structure of his body that that he stood upright in in some way and and there there was it was this motif of of dominion and freedom that one day Eve stood there and and as she stood there pondering and looking uh, this serpent comes to her and for the first time mankind womankind is face to face with deception and they they are about to learn that uh, that that indeed this that this this place of dominion they have comes with responsibility and, and also it comes with something of, of 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 a free will that they've yet to define and or to understand. It's into this it's into this perfect this perfect portrait of dominion that uh, that we find the serpent arrive and 
in, in Genesis chapter 3. For the serpent was more subtle than, than all of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And the Lord said, and he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you shall eat thereof, then Your eyes will be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. And when the woman, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and that the tree to be desired to make, uh, would make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And she gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of both of them were open, arriving in this moment of of utopian bliss, they allow the subtle words of whom would become their mortal enemy and remains your and my mortal enemy today, and that is that that spirit that in, that was embodied by that serpent that deceptive, deceiving spirit of of Satan had come. And with his voice, he would, he would offer them the opportunity to learn the difference between good and evil. And he, misre- he misrepresented what would happen for, indeed, uh, he represented the fact they would learn the difference between good and evil from a good perspective. But what they would learn was the difference in good and evil from the evil perspective for. They recognized to this point uh, what it was to live with nothing but good. But when she bit into that fruit, she would be introduced into a perspective of life uh, that would be from the evil side of life. And, and this enemy was able to come in. I suggest this morning that, that until this moment in Genesis chapter 3, there had been life defined as God had planned it. But, but when the enemy had come in via the serpent uh, and began to whisper to this woman, and she listened and and then she would go and take the same said fruit to her husband it was until this point uh, they had allowed there be a God definition in their life Uh, but at this moment uh, they let the serpent bring definition to their life and I want this morning just to point uh, you in a direction to remember this Uh, if there's going to be a definition in my life uh, I don't want my life to be defined by the serpent or by the deceiver or by the devil or by any other spirit that will crawl out of the pits of a smoky demonic hell. But I want my life to define me to be defined by the power and the presence of all mighty God. I, I, want, I want my life to be defined by a witness of the spirit of God. I, I, I've seen enough hell and I've seen 
read enough of what hell can do. And, and I don't want my life to be defined by those things, nor by the de- deceptive spirits that can crawl out of hell. But rather, let my life be defined by God. Let my divide, my life be defined by the word of God. Let my life be defined by the power of God. Let our lives be defined by the presence of God. Let our lives be defined by the infilling of God. Let our lives be defined by the witness and the wonder and the ways and the miraculous things of God. And that day when that servant said, uh, didn't God say you could eat out of every tree of the garden, but of the free of the knowledge, uh, but the tree in the midst of the garden, God said, don't eat that. Don't even touch that or you will die. I want to suggest uh, if we let ourselves be defined by a worldly definition, surely we will die. We'll die a spiritual death and we'll die a death of separation from Jesus. Jesus Christ, but if we can allow our lives be defined by the God principles and the God definition that he's got planned, I promise you, you will live forever. You will make your way into heaven. You will enjoy the power and the presence of Almighty God, and you will know, you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that indeed you were created in the image of God, and you can walk in his image, and you can walk in his power, and you can walk in his presence and you can walk in his wonder and you can walk in his greatness and when I think of that the old thought the old song says when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me my soul way down deep in my soul something rolls out from the inside my soul cries out hallelujah my soul begins begins to cry out something inside of me wants to say yes to Jesus I want to say yes to God I want to say yes to the power of God I want to say yes to the presence of God I want to say yes to the glory of God I want to say yes to the ways of God I want to say yes to the word of God and I want to say yes to the witness of God in my life (laughs) hallelujah if you feel that way give him a hand clap this morning amen 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 but after listening to the deceitful voice that was whispering in her ear to say what you're going to do is this is really okay what you're doing she looked the bible says and, and she saw and then she touched and then she Tasted, and, and then there is in that moment introduced to mankind the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. This woman allowed the serpent to define her situation. He, she, she was living in a utopian, perfect environment, but she listened to the deceptive voice uh, that came from the bowels of hell and allowed hell to define her perfect circumstance. Uh, when you're living for God, uh, don't let the world tell you you can't have 
victory. Don't let the world try to explain to you that what you're doing is crazy and silly and it doesn't make any sense. I'll tell you, coming into the presence of God makes a lot of sense. And walking into the house of God makes a lot of sense. And lifting up your hands and worship makes a lot of sense. And acting and being what God defines you to be makes a lot of sense. But let me tell you what don't make a lick of sense. It doesn't make any sense to make a fool out of yourself, blowing your whole paycheck before you ever get home with your family. It doesn't make a lick of sense living a lifestyle of immorality that brings shame to yourself and shame to your family. That stuff doesn't make any sense. But I know if I can live by the way God defines me to live, it makes a lot of sense. And that makes me want to walk in the joy and the presence of Almighty God. So who, who do you allow to define your circumstance? Who provides definition in your life? Who is it that tells you a winner or tells you you are a loser? Whose voice do you listen to that either builds you up or which voice is it that you listen to that tears you down? Whose voice is it? I'll tell you this. Another old song says, whose report will you or do you believe? And then the echoing answer to that question is, we shall believe the report of the Lord. And so I I say, suggest uh, when it comes to the moments of voices that we listen to. Uh, I know, uh, I know what voice that I intend to listen to when it comes to my marriage uh, and it comes to my family and it comes to my finance uh, and it comes to my morality and it it comes to my integrity uh, and it comes to my stewardship uh, and whose voice I intend to listen to when it comes to my salvation. I will listen to the voice of the Lord. I will listen to the voice of the word of God. I will listen to the I will listen to what can happen when I stand in the power and the presence of Almighty God. I refuse to be defined by hell's definition. When, when I think of moments and men in the scripture whom, who, who were faced with that moment of, of definition and self-cognizance, uh, I, I, I realize that Adam and Eve were, were not the only ones. Uh, and I realize they were not the last ones because, uh, because I see them as the first man and woman who had to decide these things. Uh, but it doesn't stop there. It comes right down to me and you where you and I are faced as well with a decision of who defines who we are and who says what we are and who, who explains to you what they are. But long, long between Adam and between you and I where we stand today is just an entire host uh, that parades through time, who marches through the Word of God that really, that really provides us a moment for us to look and remember and pause and ponder about who defines us and who tells us uh, ex- exactly who and what we are. In the book of, of Judges, you find the story of a man named Gideon. You, 
know the story and, and how, how can, how he started out with some 30,000 soldiers and when it was all said and done, uh, when he goes to battle, he's not, he's not gone to battle with the 30,000 mighty hosts, but the Lord has worked the affairs of his life down to where now he goes and takes on a host of, of a much, much larger host than, than even the 30,000 he started with. But Gideon goes to battle with only 300 soldiers. Uh, Gideon goes to battle with 300 soldiers and he goes to battle with 300 trumpets. He goes to battle with, 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 with 300, uh, with 300 lamps or torches. Uh, what he really did was, uh, he, he went to battle with 300 iPods um, and 300 flashlights. Uh, that's about what he had in, in his repertoire because each man held in his hand a, 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 a trumpet uh, and he held in his hand a torch. And, and when they went to battle, it really, if you were going to look by worldly definition, that wasn't much, that wasn't much of an army. But in Judges chapter 6, uh, you see the pull upon Gideon's mind between light and dark and between the definition of God and the definition from hell. And you, you see this evolved in, in such an incredible way. And let's, let's, let's read it for just a moment. Uh, there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak tree, which, uh, which was in uh, Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abazirite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press to, to hide it from the Midianites. And so when this angel arrives, this, this man Gideon is, he's hiding out and he's threshing and he, he's threshing and he's hiding in a place he's, he's trying to hide. God provides a definition of the moment in the next verse. For God says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with you, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. There's a definition provided now. The man is hiding in a barn behind the wine press, just hoping the enemy doesn't discover where he's at. When the angel of God shows up and brings a word from God to this man who is hiding out and says, you are a mighty man of valor. But, but, but the devil in the same instance decides to begin to influence in Judges chapter 6, the next verse number 13 Gideon said unto the angel of the Lord, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then is all of this befalling us? Where be all the miracles which our father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. While the Lord steps up and says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Here is here is Gideon saying, the Lord has forsaken us. I'm standing here today and say, if God declares somebody in this tabernacle to be that, are, that is hiding out and just hoping the devil don't find you. If he walks in here today and says, you are a mighty man of valor. I pray you listen to the word of God and don't yield to that war that might go on inside your head and say, God has forsaken me. I suggest... 
God has not forsaken you. And he brings a definition that you are a mighty man. And you are a mighty woman. And you are a powerful person of valor. Don't you buy. Don't you listen to the voice of darkness. And don't you listen to the voice of the devil when he would come and tell you this. God says you're a mighty man of valor. But the devil says God has forsaken you. The next verse. And God steps right back into the conversation. And the Lord looked unto him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? The Lord saying, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And while the devil's whispering you here that I have forsaken you, understand, I have sent you, and you will be a savior, and you will be a leader. When you understand God has put his hand on your life and no matter what yesterday encompassed his hand is on your life and you are a mighty person and you can walk in the faith and the confidence of the Holy Ghost you can pray a prayer on your job and you can change your job you can pray a prayer at your bank account and you can change your bank account you can walk in the Holy Ghost and you can function in the power and the wonder of the spirit have I not sent thee was God's definition and devil wasn't satisfied. He said unto him, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor and I am the least of my father's house. That spirit of timidity, that spirit of intimidation that had settled upon Gideon at that moment. Might I, I just, I just want to stop and say, you're a mighty man of valor that God has sent you. And don't you ever listen to the thoughts that God has forsaken you and that you are the least in your father's house. Don't you ever accept the lies from hell. I'm the least in that church. I'm the least on that section. I I can't worship and I can't pray. God don't hear my worship. God don't answer my prayers. God is not with me. Let me tell you, you don't accept the definition from the devil today, but you understand. I might be hiding out, but God is with me and has caused me, called me a mighty person of valor. I may have felt God forsaken, but I'm not God forsaken. I have been sent by God and I I am in the least of my father's house but I'm not little and I am not weak I can walk boldly in the Holy Ghost I can walk boldly in the spirit I can walk in confidence in the Holy Ghost and this morning I refuse to be defined by what I see and what I hear and, and the circumstances that present themselves such, again, are do we find when, when David would meet Goliath, when, when purity would collide with that calamity called Goliath. It was, it was the order of the day for, for that, that voice from hell, that, that intimidating, dirty, immoral Voice that would echo across that valley of that, that would come from the mouth of Goliath, but I, I suggest really it came from the very bowels of hell. He would lift up his voice and, and make a mockery of the Lord and the people of God. And, and when this 
unfolds day after day. God picks up a boy from a, from a little meadow, uh, from a little meadow in the area of Benjamin and moves him all the way to a battlefield. And while Goliath demanded a man who could fight, Israel accepted his definition of the day and accepted the circumstances of the day that we've got to send a, a man that is mighty so we can fight and win over this man, Goliath. And not only had the army of Israel begin to shake and quake uh, at the thought of this, but Saul, the king, had accepted the terms of the devil and we we're going to have to find a man that we can send. And Israel had accepted the definition of way the battle was going to go and, and Saul had accepted and, and entertained and even and even processed it to the point where he hid in a tent and and the men hid behind rocks and, and in caves afraid of that roaring devouring spirit that you and I know was the devil but it was known then with that voice of, of Goliath and Every, every one of the Israelite soldiers, it seemed, and even the king, and the king's horses, and the king's men, all of them had seemed to accept the fact that this battle is defined before it starts, and this battle is lost before it begins, and while there are two armies arrayed at each other, we're, the one that's from the darkness, and the one that's got the demonic giant freak out there, defining the day, it seems to be they've managed to intimidate and win the battle before it would would ever ever start Saul at this point hiding there would be this lad who would arrive he would arrive with just a little food for his brothers but when he heard when he heard that voice that would echo from Goliath he, he, he'd ask what is this thing and, and he, he, would, he, would, he would say what's going on and, and when he heard the roar of that demonic voice and watched the reaction from the men the armies of God he says I will go and I will fight uh, they, of course, his brothers, there's this whole, this whole emotional story that, that unfolds. But eventually, eventually David's brought in the presence of the king. And the king says, if you want to fight, you can. But what you're going to do now is, is, is you're going to have to fight on, on his terms. And he, he's, he's a warrior. He's big. So you're going to fight on his terms. So if you're going to fight the, the best they got, you're going to have to use the best that we got. So how about I take my my armor and put my armor on you and and how about we put a kingly armor on you and and how about we put a kingly sword in your hand and how about we put a kingly shield in your other hand and let's put the king's helmet on your head and let, let's you can go to battle like this uh, but something wasn't ringing true in the spirit uh, of that lad he said i can't use this stuff uh, uh this is not i'm not proven in this stuff uh, i don't know how to use all of this stuff. This is not how that I want. He says, King, there was a day not too long ago. A bear came
came out of the woods and was going to destroy the sheep. And I took, a, I took my sling and I took a stone and I killed, I killed the, the bear with my sling. And, and there was another day there was a lion. It came and would destroy my father's sheep. But I took, a, I took, a, I took my sling and I took a stone and I, I, I took, I, I killed it by hand. I, I killed that, that lion. And so, uh, and so if God, if God can take uh, what I've used in the past uh, and he can deliver into my hand the bear and, and he can deliver into my hand the lion, I have every confidence in this God uh, that he will deliver into my hand uh, as dirty, filthy, intimidating, rotten, ugly, spirited Philistine into my hand today. You understand something, King? I'm in covenant with Almighty God. He's not in covenant with Almighty God. I don't have to use your your human weapons, but I can operate in a different realm. He may operate with a sword. He may operate in a spear, but I'm going to him with a different formula. I'm going to him with a different battle plan. I'm going to him with a different method. And that is I will go in the name of the Lord. You must realize hell will come at you with everything. But you go in the power. You go in the name of the Lord. You go in the witness and the wonder of his presence. Hence, hence I don't, you don't, we don't need the king's swords. And the king's men. We don't need that for victory. We don't have to accept the definition of the way the battle is going to be won. For we war not against flesh and blood. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty. They're mighty to the breaking down of strongholds. And the weapons that we have and what we understand and how we, we know how to live and to, to operate this is, is we're never gonna, we're never gonna win this battle. By pulling the gun. We're never going to win this battle with hand grenades and with with strategic placement uh, with with troops and armies and soldiers. Uh, But you win this battle by walking into the power and presence of the Lord. And you understand you win this battle not by trying to out-devil the devil. And and not by trying to out-manipulate the manipulator. And not by trying to out-lie the liar. Because you never can win that battle. But you face the liar with the name of the Lord. And you face the manipulator with the name of the Lord. And you face the intimidating spirits with the name of the Lord. And when you come with the name of the Lord, every demonic force, every dark intimidating spirit, everything that has been belched from the bellies of hell cannot stand in front of one little guy, one little lady, one little apostolic who decides, you know what, I am an apostolic. I've been blood bought. I have been blood filled and hell cannot bother me and hell cannot stop me and I don't I will not be defined by hell's definition. Oh somebody give the Lord a shout. Somebody lift your voice up here this morning. Ah Hallelujah He said, you come at me with a sword and spear. 
But I come at you in the name of the Lord. You think about it. The darkness, the darkness of intimidation comes at you. And all you've got to do is come at him with the name of the Lord. But you know what I like? I like what happened after Goliath fell. And David ran up to the dead body of that dead demonic visitation from hell. He walks up and says, you know, I think now is the time for a sword. So at this point, he grabs Goliath's sword like a weaver's beam. That thing was eight or nine foot long. I don't know. That's a, that's a sword. And I, you know he couldn't work it with one hand. But now at this point, he decides, I'm going to use a sword now. He goes and he picks up that sword and he raises it up over his head. And as he reaches its peak of its, uh, the height of his reach, he begins to bring it down. He severs the head of that, of, that, of that intimidating demonic force from hell. You can't tell me that he just didn't cut that head off and walk off. Uh, I got this feeling when he cut the head off of that devil, when he cut the head off of that giant, uh, that thing rolled a little bit. Uh, he probably let it lay there for a moment. Uh, but I got this feeling. Uh, I got this feeling, sis, uh, that he grabbed that old thing by the hair and wrapped his fingers in the hair and and when he come back to the camp uh, he's walking he was holding the head of that intimidating force from hell I suggest to you when you come in the name of the Lord when you go to battle by that godly definition you'll come back and you'll hold in your hand the head you'll hold in your hand the head of that which intimidated you that which bothered you of that which which was tried to destroy you that's the reason Joseph that day could look at his brothers and say brothers y'all forsook me y'all betrayed me y'all sold me into slavery you meant it for bad the devil meant it for bad but God had his hand on my life and while you meant it for bad God God meant it for good Ah. <laughs> oh, I feel faith in this room this morning. Ah. Don't you look around at an empty bench here today and say there's a problem around here. Don't you look around at what you see. Don't you look around at your grown kids. Don't you look around at what you're dealing with right now and say this is just the way it is. I'm going to my grave this way. Oh no. Don't you be defined by the intimidating lies of the devil. But grab a hold of the name of the Lord. Face that devil down. Stare him down. Cut his head off. Ah, cut his head off. Yes, I buy my 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 my. Oh, I'm not going to be defined by anything out there. Uh, success uh, is not defined by the world's terms. Uh, great church uh, will not be defined by the world's terms. Uh, uh, success in life uh, will not be defined by the world's terms. But let me tell you, if you can walk to your grave, if they'll carry your casket out one day, and they'll stand right there, and they'll celebrate the greatness of your life, and men will stand that day and say, that was a man who walked with God. That was a woman 
who had power in the Holy Ghost. Uh, that was a woman who had faith. Uh, that, that was a woman. And, and man, man may say those things, uh, but I'll really tell you what's going to be neat one day is when you get out of that casket and you go walking up that road towards those heavenly gates uh, and you get close to those gates uh, and those gates begin to swing open and you just keep marching right on in. And when you get past those gates, uh, you walk up to that throne and that Redeemer sitting there and he says, well done, well done, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's who's going to define my life. And since he's going to define my life, when I get there, he's going to know what was in that definition. Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Oh. That's the reason the man that was blind could look at that crowd of people who tried to intimidate. And all he could say was this. All I know is this. I once was blind. But now, I'm not blind no more. Now, I'm not, I'm not hidden behind the darkness. I'm not hidden behind the scales in my eyes. I'm not dependent upon a walking stick or the elbow of a friend anymore. All I know is this, I was blind. But a new definition came into my life. And a new hand came upon my life. And the witness of Almighty God came into my life. And yeah, I once was blind. But now. But now, it's different now. It's different now. I was blind, but now. But now somebody needs a but now moment today. Somebody needs a moment today when you realize now. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is trying to break in this place. Somebody grab a hold of him and realize he's walking up your aisle with a but now moment. He's walking up your aisle to transform what you've been. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was blind, but now I was intimidated, but now I was, I was an addict, but now I was a pervert, but now, but now, but now. <laughs> when you realize that a but now moment has transpired in your life and it's all different and there's a new definition and there's a new man walking in your shoes uh, hallelujah hallelujah Somebody clap your hands. Somebody reach out to him. Somebody remember. I may look around and I may see some things, but I'm not looking to the eyes of the flesh. I'm looking to the eyes of the spirit. And I'm not operating with the arm of the flesh, but I operate with a lid by the arm of the spirit. I once, I once, but now. <laughs> Somebody, 
Somebody ought to realize that this is a divine moment in your life. And you can look back and realize I did walk, listen to the voices from the other side. But there came a moment in my life. There was a but now moment. And I decided from that moment forward, I would not be defined by the darkness. And I would not be defined by the giants. And I would not be fine, but be defined by the blindness. But rather, after this moment with God, I'm going to be defined by him.